What's going on, guys? AJ here. Today, I'm blessed, excited, just super grateful that we had an amazing guest on today's episode. This individual killed it. You know, he talked about so many different topics. He, you know, really had the flexibility, honestly, to go in so many different directions. And frankly, you know, had enough empathy and enough interest to kind of learn about myself and and, and actually had me pull out a lot of variables that I frankly have never really told you guys about myself personally, Uh, my background, my family, where my perspectives come from, uh, a little bit about my professional past and and kind of what has crafted and molded me to be the crazy, um, yeah, let's use that word, the crazy human being that you guys hear today. But back to the reality, back to the good stuff, back to uh, the point of this episode, Galen Emanuel. Uh, it's an amazing, amazing man, an amazing human, an amazing consultant, an amazing speaker, and the president of a consultancy called Shift Yes. Uh, the, the core of that organization uh, is based around creating awesome team culture for organizations He's worked with a bunch, guys. He's worked with the top of the chain. Uh, And again, I'm just super blessed and humbled to be able to have him on today's podcast. There's so much great content in today's podcast. So many areas that we jumped into. So many areas that I didn't even expect us to jump into. I'll give you a few just to get you guys a little bit pumped up. We talked about why he personally is obsessed with employee experience and, and the different areas and dynamics of that. We also dived into what it looks like to create a company called at a very tactical and tangible way. He gave us three very clear examples that I personally uh, didn't even think about in that order, in that structure. So I learned something new today myself. Uh, And then again, we dove into a lot of different questions that he had for me personally. Uh, And then we jumped into a lot of different other content that I feel will bring some employees value, right? Figuring out different ways that employees can be more valuable to a leader and realize that the brand is not just uh, a big logo, right? The brand is not just a big, beautiful building with a bunch of people in it. Uh, The brand leaders are not machines, right? These are human beings with emotions um, and flaws as well. And how can you as an employee be more productive and more valuable to your leader? So again, guys, uh, I am super blessed, super pumped, super fired up. I'm hoping you guys are going to enjoy today's episode with Galen Emanuel. He is an amazing person, an amazing dude. I know for a fact we're going to link up, have a little bit, um, you know, have 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 some dinner, uh, you know, chat it up a little bit and then figure out what some type of collaborational projects we can try to conjure up here in the future. Um, Yeah, so I think I'm done ranting. I often go too long winded, so I will shut up now. Enjoy today's episode with Galen Emanuel. Enjoy. Perfect. What's going on, guys? Anthony here back again with another episode of E1B2. I have Galen Emanuel here as my guest. I'm super pumped up, super fired up. I got it right that time, didn't I? Yeah, you crushed it, man. Perfect. All right. Yeah. How are you doing today, brother? Dude, I'm doing great. Feeling good. And um, and how is, I think I already asked you this offline, but I guess I'll ask you again here since I'm looking at a lot of, a lot of rain. How is the weather there? How's, uh, how's family? How's life? Yeah, good. So uh, start with uh, start in that order. Weather is okay. I'm I'm in Portland, Oregon. So you know, standard kind of Pacific Northwest spring. It's uh, it's gray and a little cold and wet uh, today. But we've had gorgeous days of summer uh, this week. So it's been sunny and then rainy and everything in between. It hailed. So 
standard Pacific hailed. Northwest. Yeah, it hailed. Um, I know, it's crazy. And then, uh, yeah, family's okay. I've got a pretty small family, but, uh, you know, my mom, my dad, um, doing okay, hold up, you know, in their houses and stuff. And then uh, life in general, you know, these are interesting times, but considering the circumstances, I'm feeling well, doing good. Uh, so, yeah, it's, you know, it's a day at a time, but um, feeling good, man. I'm feeling excited and optimistic and, yeah, inspired. Perfect. Perfect. I guess, you know, let's start here. For the, for the 3% of human beings on Earth that don't know who you are, because um, I feel like, I feel like um, on the low, low, you've slowly but surely built out a nice brand here. Now, you know, first of all, let me just give you kudos. And I think I've done this offline as well. But aesthetically, what you've done on YouTube uh, is definitely amazing. Um, I think um, I think there's a lot of people like myself that uh, genuinely desire to aesthetically uh, have things put together that way. But, you know, tends to make a lot of excuses of why I don't put too much energy into it. I'm kind of like a scrappy gorilla, so I kind of just do whatever. But yeah. um, I, at some point, that will um, I will I will I will follow your lead, and so I just wanted to kind of give you some kudos on that. Thank you. Um, I guess secondly, just tell everyone again for the the very few human beings that may not know um, who you are, what you do, what you're about. Give us a you know a 45 sec- second snapshot. All right, cool, cool. Uh, I think there's a bigger category of people in that. Uh, (laughs) Um, so yeah what I'm about I guess you know right now immediately kind of like the work that I do is uh is really around sort of um helping brands helping teams create very intentional culture um and elevate leadership I mean the stuff you talk about on this podcast and what you do is a hundred percent my my wheelhouse man it's all my bucket it's like being heart forward leaders you know really strategic communication culture um teams like treating people like human beings and bringing the best out of them. Um, and, you know, we'll probably get into a little bit of like boring backgroundy kind of stuff, but yeah, my, I mean, what I am curious about, what I'm passionate about, what I love in this universe is human beings, like how they think, why they do what they do, how they operate and interact together on teams and impact each other. And that's, that's my shit. So um, everything in that world, but I, you know, do a lot of keynote speaking work specifically directly with like leadership teams and brands um, to just elevate the way they think about, how they show up, how they impact each other, what culture means to them, how they actually do that, uh, which I know we're going to dive into. So, yeah, is that is that what you're looking for? I, I think so. Yeah, like we talked about again offline, um, I'm not a huge fan of, uh, at a personal level, I obviously love to get to know people, but um, on the podcast, like me and you kind of agreed, um, I genuinely hate the 47-minute background of an yes. hour and 15-minute podcast. Um, and I more than ever, I'll give you an interesting thing here that I think I've told you about. I more than ever, I hate it when I watch keynotes. Um, oh, yeah, or, or, or attend uh conferences where there's keynotes. Um, genuinely, I, I, I don't want to sound rude or disrespectful, but I genuinely, in that moment, in that, in that environment, I genuinely don't give a shit about the 30 minutes, yeah, of what school you went to, right? What have um, you done? Yeah, like I, yeah. I, I, that does not matter to me. A lot of people say that. Well, it, it kind of frames up why you should be listening to them. I've already bought the ticket, so I, I'm yeah. assuming that you know what yeah, I mean, yeah. right? Uh, and it's like, oh, this is going to establish credibility. I'm like, no, the first two minutes of you on stage is going to establish credibility. Let's get to that. Like, give me the meat, give me the exactly. shit. I'm not, same page. I'm my my like intro line for keynotes and stuff like that. My bio is like two quick sentences. To, it's so short. I'm like, dude, people fall asleep no one i'm like nobody cares like just get me in front of people so exactly i, I feel you 
exactly. So um, I, I guess I guess we'll start here. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, you know your perspective around why you're obsessed with leadership and employee experience. Now those are so big, big wide you know spectrums and, and perspectives and, and, and groups in this world of business. But but what I guess what 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 attracts you to it? Why are you obsessed with it? Yeah, um, that's a great question, man. I think that some of the some of this conversation, some of the questions I have for you kind of dive into that too, because, you know, the, the very short answer is like, I don't know, but I'm obsessed with it. Uh, right. And, you know, I think it's just a matter of um, uh, just being able to see a thing clearly. You, so you were on a podcast talking about your boss had said to you of like, Anthony, you, you roll in a, like you see a world that doesn't exist. And yes. like, you're trying to bring that to life. And I, I guess that resonated with me a lot. I'm just like, you guys, this shit is so easy to do. It's first of all, it's very easy to do wrong and people are nailing it uh, there, but like, it's so easy to do some of these things right. And like, right. That like the impact that people's experience and like what, right. What their, their engagement level, their performance level, like how they feel about their jobs is so easy to attack and like do right. And I just see so many organizations and people just like not having the tools, not having the awareness. And so part of that for me is like, there's just this fire of wanting to like, just stand on every building and like scream from the rooftops of you guys, this shit is actually relatively simple to do. Um, and I just, I don't know why, but it fires me up, man. To like, I don't know, just to dive in that space and blow people's minds. And I guess part of that is, is also through feedback, like how I got into this work, was really sort of organic and, uh, you know, we'll dive into that, I guess, a little bit, but um, just seeing the results and like, and working and developing my curriculum, like throughout my career and throughout just like journey of owning my organization, I think seeing and hearing some of the feedback and the, and the impact and seeing how teams change and the way people communicate change and the way leaders show up change, like that drives me, man. It's like, that is my currency is impact more than anything else. Like, uh, you know, um, so just having a lot of that deposited into my tank, uh, right. For fuel is just like, this stuff works. It matters. It's like, it has an impact. So I guess, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's just like the thing that consumes you that you can talk about forever. Uh, right. And like, for me, it's this, it's, it's that stuff. It's just like, it's human beings being better to each other. Uh, right. Under the filter, of course, of business and teams and culture and performance and, and how, how organizations do and perform uh, business-wise, but really it's about people just like, it's about more love, more connection, more empathy, just like, right? Just being good to each other. And that just, that stuff just like, it's my jam. So I hear you. Well, yeah. let me, let me make a statement and then ask you a question. The, the yeah. statement, the statement will be, um, and, and obviously I don't think this is going to happen. Uh, just be frankly, because uh, a lot of human beings um, are, are still, unfortunately taking a lot of time to get up to speed but have you ever thought of this is what i've thought of in my mind when i created the podcast as i'm trying to build out this e1b2 brand here i've i've, I've often thought about i want to be so successful that i'm no no longer successful and what yeah. i mean by that is yeah like in an entrepreneurial lens now i totally understand from an employee lens but from an entrepreneurial lens e1b2 Galen Emanuel, 
you know, Keith Ferrazzi, uh, uh, all the other great consultants out there, anyone that does this at an independent level, we should not even exist yeah. because it's so simplistic. It's yes. so easy. It's so, yes. it's so common sense. Fuck now, yeah, don't worry. I don't think that's going to happen. So I think you're going to have a nice long career here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I just, I, I, that from, from my perspective, that's the way I've always viewed it. That's the way I've always seen it and always believed in it. It's like, I have no idea in the world of why you have to allocate extra dollars towards these strategies, these perspectives, these tactics, right. these theories. It, it's never made sense to me. Yeah. Um, I get, well, I, actually I was, and then I guess the question then would be, uh, there's a lot of different people that have different niches and focuses so in this big bucket of employee experience and leadership and things of that nature and culture, uh, talk to us about a couple, give us like one or two areas that you are not only super fired up about, but yep. that you think is like your full on strength. Yep. And then like maybe break down a few tactics of how those strengths can be applied, you know, tangibly, if that okay. makes sense. Hell yeah, it does. And I just want to say in response to that, I think mm -hmm. that when, when I think about my work and what I do and, and your the, the idea of putting myself out of work by people like getting these things, I have the sense. And, and that's why so much what you do with EB, E1B2 like resonates with me is that I just I feel like and you're a sports guy. So like this resonates. But I feel like companies are starting to finally wake up to the fact that it's like, oh, maybe we should be obsessed with employee experience the same way we're supposed obsessed with customer experience right that's how we win in business in the market is what do customers want we give them what they want but this like oh maybe we should shift that focus and do the same for our employees because they are driving our brand they're executing our business plan and like i just feel like it's in the history of professional sports at some point in hockey and football and people getting like their teeth knocked out and dying and be like hey maybe should people should wear fucking helmets and it's like yes yeah. no shit and i'm like i just i don't know why there's so much lag and like like why is it taking so long for people to wake up to the fact that like get obsessed with employee experience right now that is where your business lies that's the success of your company so hey but i just want to say that yeah if I, if I can jump in just for one moment on that on that thought on that note here's something that i've actually been saying recently because i've been seeing this i've been, I've been seeing the same things you're seeing right i think globally brands at a macro level not so much in a micro level if you go to if you go to a, a business complex in abingdon maryland where i am or uh -huh. in baltimore maryland or in forest hill these small little towns in maryland you're not going to see brands doing this right at a macro level yeah. i think the conversation is starting to pick up yeah but i want to get your two cents on this really quickly what i'm noticing though is people are starting to use it brands are starting to use it leaders are starting to use it as a tactic and not an inherent natural thing they believe in. So yeah. I think that's the differentiator between me and you and other people that are in this space, you know, against the, those that are these brands and these leaders. I think, again, what, what even irritates me the most is, okay, you don't even, if, if you just genuinely don't know what it's about and what it does, I guess I can try to wrap my head around that. What often irritates me is when I see brands and leaders try to use it as a tactic to try to to try to increase the productivity of their brand from a non-authentic place. And I know exactly. that seems really odd, but I don't look at this like marketing. I don't look at this like, you know, communications. I don't look at this like partnerships or operations. I look at this as like genuinely like just treat people like you would treat your family and then yeah. – 
strategize around that core yeah. part and nuance. Um, yeah. Maybe maybe I'm just crazy. Maybe the good guy never wins, and maybe that's the problem. But give me your two cents on like the tactic approach versus they genuinely believe in this. Yeah, and I think like you hit it with the word authenticity, right? Because that's what comes out in the wash. Is that if you're doing this as a, just a you know internal marketing ploy to be like, all right, well, do this thing. If if you don't live it, if you don't believe it, if it's not in your heart and you understand and get it, right? It just the things that you do will fall flat because they will lack substance and like right. It's just as soon as they're tested, they disappear. And that you know that's just the truth of that. But and I think I think you're right. And I you know it's the people who are doing this that have the highest amount of emotional intelligence, that have the highest amount of leadership wisdom. They just do truly get it. And as much as possible, I hope companies, leaders, that those right people end up in the right positions so they can also reward, recognize, right those those traits those qualities and and elevate those people inside organizations and make those people leaders um because that's what makes great companies because those people impact employees more than any other factor uh inside your organization so hell yeah and you're you're right there are people that are just like they don't really get it but they they know this thing to do and you know it's there's all levels of it right you're talking about thousands like ten hundreds of thousands of different companies and organizations and dynamics and leaders so you know there's a whole spectrum of really really crushing it to not and everything in between but um i feel that do you um go ahead let's let's circle back to your other question that we uh we veered away from because i just i responded with the like football helmet kind of thing but talking about um what i think that like differentiates me yeah yeah me like what i think i'm really good at and like and i you know want to come back to this not to like advertise for myself but no it's perfect the thing no, i am the most excited and passionate about is what i see generally is that the way that companies think about the way that leaders think about culture um i don't think it's wrong i just think it's completely uh it, it's in it's incomplete um and so for me the formula of how do you take this elusive uh, nebulous idea and concept of culture in an organization. How do you get everybody to adhere to right the same kind of principles and behaviors and and beliefs uh, right and support each other? And how do you get, actually create culture as a tangible, real thing inside an organization? And like that is what I know how to do. That like that I feel like right. And don't want to sound like I'm I'm the greatest thing in the world, but that is the piece of like unlocking that of translating that very, very complex idea um, into a very simple step-by-step strategic, you know, approach to like, this is how you do that. This is how successful organizations have done that. This is what it takes. And I think that that is the piece that's missing for most, you know, when I, I talk to, you know, leaders, HR people, whatever. And I think it's very rare to find someone who can describe, right? We say like, what is your culture? How do you guys create do, how do you do culture in your organization? You, it's very hard to find a, a succinct answer, right? Someone that, like they understand sort of how to do that, and I think that's a, a missing tool and skill for leaders and right and organizations is like how do we create culture? And so for me, what I feel like I'm able to do is go in and say this is the step by step process. Like this is the conversation to have. These are the questions to answer. And I think for the most part, organizations create, do what everyone started doing in the 80s and 90s and be like, cool, we're done, which is create a mission statement, create a values statement, like a list of values, like trust and integrity and respect and blah, 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 and be like, cool, that's our culture. We live that every day. And it's like, 
you don't, uh, first of all. And uh, right, what are the deeper conversations to have there to actually make culture real in your organization, right? And it's the same way to approach that in a strategic, very thorough way, the same way that we approach sales or marketing or operations, which is to say, what is a whole comprehensive executable plan here, um, right? And I know that takes it away from this human forward, you know, loving people space into like something that is very tactical. It's very systems based, um, right? It's a process, it's a system. And I think that, that that's the missing piece. And I find that when I have conversations, what I, you know, what I love the most is being able to provide that and say, these are the conversations to have. This is what it looks like. This is how we do it. And I, I do want to talk about that and share some of those things and thoughts and ideas. It's not like, I know how to do that. And it's a mystery. I want to talk about that on this podcast because I think it's critical and like so important. And again, it's not that complicated, but it's to, it's the know how, it's how do you do that? Um, so, yeah. Well, what are, well, I, I think I'll say this and then please give us maybe three of those questions or three of those very tangible strategic tactics and, and, and steps that uh, that can actually create and manifest culture. But I think, I think, you know, it, like you said, it's a one-two process, right? The first thing, what I'm looking for is, like I said, don't get excited about it for just the tactic. Yeah. Get excited about it because you genuinely want to see people not only happy and inspired, but you genuinely want to see the individuals inside of your brand connect with what you inevitably want to happen at a very authentic way. Hell like yes. the authenticity and the love and the heart has to be the center. Yes. And then I totally agree with what you're saying. You know, um, you know, recently, you know, w- what I'm doing for the brand that I'm working for, you know, the, 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 the founder, frankly, could not wrap his head around why I was spending my first six weeks crafting a very strategic tactical plan around employee experience that, 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 that encompasses like 15 different sections and divisions around employee retention, around compensation and benefits, mm-hmm. around um, you know, conducting one-on-one conversations, executive coaching with the executive team around kind of the strategy of the brand and, and how to how to generate innovation. He didn't understand why there's such this cumbersome process, um, uh, you know, involved in it. He just, frankly, he hired me because of my enthusiasm and my energy around genuinely loving the hearts and minds of the people inside the brand. Yeah. And he thought it was just going to be, you know, a couple one-on-one conversations, <laughs> you know, a, a monthly outing, you know, uh, making people smile, making people feel nice. Yeah. Um, and he didn't understand that. No, this is a very serious business, you know, like, like, like discussion and strategy that needs to be put in place. So, yes, you know, give us, give us three or four, of those very tangible black and white things that you do for a brand. Yep. Hell yeah. Um, and, and I agree with you exactly what you said. There's a balance. It's, it has to come. The heart of this has to be, we love people. We care about people. And we like, we are obsessed with our employees, right? Employees, one business, second, it's our people. And we believe that we live it. And then it's like, boom, now let's get down to business and talk about how do we strategically implement this stuff? So exactly what you're talking about, right? It's not just, it's just, it's that combination of melding. So, you know, talking about culture and I like, I love this stuff. So I will try not to get off the rails and try to keep it simple. But really when it comes to, you want to create a culture inside your team and organization. Uh, To me, it's like, you need three things. You need clarity about what that culture is. You need commitment, which is you need to define like line in the sand, no bones. 
who does this apply to? Do we fucking mean this? Or is this just a ploy for internal marketing? And like, is this a way to keep our lower level, quote unquote, employees in line? Or do we actually mean this, right? And like to solidify that commitment of 100%, every person across the board. And the last one is consistency. How do we integrate and implement this culture and these, right? This clarity that we create around what is our culture here? How do we consistently live that every day? So how do we feed the fish, right? What is the daily, weekly, monthly things that we put into place that make it so that this culture becomes top of mind, our DNA, it is the fabric of this organization so that from the second we're interviewing somebody, we can say, this is our culture, this is how to be here, right? And, and the steps of that are, for example, people who create a list of values, right? Trust, integrity, respect, etc. And that's cool, but those things don't mean the same thing to every person. So, right, somebody with somebody would look at integrity and say, oh, I have lots of integrity. I would never embezzle from this company. Meanwhile, that person, right, has is super reluctant, resistant to change. They sabotage changes they don't like. They gossip about other departments, right? They're like, they do things that are low integrity behaviors um, because, and just to, it's a symptom of the fact that we create a list of values, but we don't create a, a list of ground rules. And so we need to unpack those, right? Because ultimately, when we talk about culture and how people adhering to like a certain code of conduct, we need to articulate what that is, right? In a very clear, simple way. So when we talk about, you know, for example, integrity or respect, right? We can't stay on these huge concepts that are right it's like how do you make people teamwork be like teamwork and i'm like how do you how do you make people integrity or how do you make people respect and so when you have you know a defined culture that says right that we uh right we recognize we're all imperfect and we're human we have short memories about other people's mistakes and when we step in we step in to help and support right that is a that's clear right it's like we are open and uh receptive to feedback we actively seek it out and we don't see feedback as a criticism. We see it as an opportunity, right, to improve. Like, that, that is a specific behavior. And so when we define those ground rules of our culture of these are the behaviors, this is the code of conduct that makes up who we are, that's how we create that culture. And so it is determining what are those for you. Uh, how do you want every person, right, to show up in terms of both how they approach their work and also how they impact other people on the team and show up as a as a part of the team, as a human being. Um, and that, to get clear about that, to say what what truly is our code of conduct? What is our, like, what are the ground rules of how we expect every person here to show up, whether they are the CEO, uh, they've been here for 25 years, or they've started working here four days ago. Um, so that's, that's kind of step one, right, around getting clarity. And it's about asking real questions and defining what those are. But the next piece, you know, to me is, is the is the commitment level right which is like how do we hold each other accountable to that and do we mean this is this a hundred percent and as far as i'm concerned when we talk about culture like if that applies to 98 percent of the people in the organization it's not fucking good enough it's every single person and like when i say commitment and accountability it's like if you right people that act out of alignment with these ground rules and this behavior uh right don't get to be here that we say like it's these things right there's only one way to be here and it's these uh, and then the last piece, which I think is also the most important, is the consistency. So it's what traditions, what systems, uh, right? What what things do we put in place uh, that uphold and reinforce this culture? Uh, that is in feedback evaluations, right? It's in traditions, how we start meetings, right? It's in how we onboard people. It's training and development programs, right? So if we say, oh, we're, we, we were active 
you know, we resolve conflict looking for, you know, mutually beneficial res resolutions. Do you also provide nonviolent communication and conflict management training to your people? That's how you reinforce those those ground rules in that code of conduct to say, we're going to invest in you and these skills that you have so that we can all behave this way. So, um, yeah, I could, I mean, I could never stop talking about this, but that that's really kind of the heart of it is having those conversations and creating like an executable, you know, very intentional kind of plan to say, this is our culture. And it goes way beyond, you know, respect, integrity, trust, teamwork, fun. There, there was a lot that you said right there, but let me unpack. Well, first of all, let me say that was amazing. Um, what I try to do with this podcast, and I think you, I think you have listened to a few of the solo episodes. Yes. And so if you, if you notice, I get very tangible. I don't like to get really airy and spacey, yes, and, yes. and and you know, uh, I, I try to get super tangible and super granular, um, so people can literally punch in and punch out and get what they need. Um, one thing that I, I will be. And I'll be respectful with the way that I break it down here. Um, but one thing that has been a struggle um, for me recently um, in, in, in various different situations I've been in professionally has been um, has been getting others. And this is actually the first time in my career. So it's actually interesting that I'm even open enough to talk about this right now. Mm -hmm. um, getting other executives to to communicate not just respectfully but but to not negatively overreact when someone does not agree so yeah. there have been moments recently obviously before this COVID-19 situation but recently before all this happened when we were still going to work and living regular lives um you know there were so many situations where I would sit in on executive meetings and frankly, I would be involved in certain executive meetings where a simple disconnect between one executive and another would emotionally be deemed as this is a disconnect and this is not good. Yeah. This is this is this is negative. This can't happen. Right. And 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 it got to the point where I started to get out of character, get very frustrated around, look, guys a simple disagreement of perspective at a professional topic, that's not anything to get emotionally riled up about. Yeah. And, or frankly, even professionally get upset about look at, you know, understand each person's perspective yeah. and try to find and pull out the silver linings. Yeah. Right. I even got to the point where, and I was kind of joking, but I'm kind of not joking. I want to get your thoughts on it. I even thought about like reaching out and seeing if there was like, and I'm sure I could find one like like, you know, uh, a high school and college like debate champion um, that like turned into like an Instagram influencer where like he or she goes around to like corporate organizations and like it gives like debate coaching. Yeah. I'm sure that, I'm sure there's someone out there like that. Right. Yeah. Um, I've even thought about reaching out to them, networking and bringing them on the podcast, you know, recording the podcast and then sharing with the team because. Frankly, that is right now one of the biggest struggles within the organization that I'm in is, you know, the executive team, you know, a lot of the people we think that we all have to be on the same page. Yeah, that and I've tried to explain this a million times, and this is partly me venting right now. Um, I've tried to explain that you don't get you don't get great innovation and amazing things happen when you all agree with each other around the same things. 
you know, the way diamonds are created, the way great ideas are created is through friction, is through disconnect, is through difference of opinion. And then having the respect for one another to pull out the silver linings of each of each variable, putting putting them up on a whiteboard and then piecing it back together like a puzzle and then presenting it as a team. This is what we collectively have added to the have added to this this big idea. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on all that? And tell me if you've seen that happen often in a lot of teams because yeah. uh, this has been a consistent throughout my career that I've seen. And to be straight honest with you, I've I've struggled around how to get executive executives to rethink that disconnecting on certain professional topics is actually a good thing um, if you're doing it in a way that is respectful and you're yep. doing it and you're seeking the silver lining. So what are your yep. thoughts on all that? Hell yeah. And I, you know what, this brings me to something I think is really critical in what, you know, when we talk about leaders and, and stuff too, is like the, uh, there's, there's a handful of hard skills. And when I say hard skills, I mean like tactical, tangible, hard skills that like leaders fucking have to have to put you in charge of other people as in a supervisor or manager role, leadership function, you have to be able to navigate conflict effectively. And I don't mean like, uh, you know, I don't mean conceptually. I mean, like you have had training in nonviolent communication and conflict management and like, right. And also giving and receiving feedback, right. And coaching. And like, those are skills that leaders have to have um, because, you know, what you're talking about is, is a symptom of a group of people that see conflict as war or battle or dissent, right? If you disagree with me, it's, it's you're, you're undermining my authority or exactly. position. And it's like, what, when, what you say a hundred percent jives with me, man, it's like conflict is an opportunity. And if we, and the way that we go into it, the way that we look at it, someone's like, I desperately oppose that idea. I think it's a terrible idea da, da, da. for me to, instead of to defend my position to say, tell me more about that. Where are you coming from? Why? What are the fears? What are the concerns? And unpack that. And then I unpack where I'm coming from, right? It's like just the ability to be like this, this doesn't have to become emotionally volatile for us to navigate the fact that we completely disagree. I'm like, cool, but how do we navigate that? Where I say, let me hear you out. Let me listen to you because you're right. That creates opportunities. It, it, it allows us to see angles that we miss from our own perspective, right? Somebody's coming from a totally different place. And I just, you know, the ability to navigate the situations is so critical and to navigate conflict between other people, between you, between an executive team. It's like that, that like, that is a skill you have to have. And nobody's born with that. And everybody thinks that they're good at navigating conflict. If you ask people that you'll rarely find someone that's like, no, I'm not very good at that. Everybody thinks they're good at it, but most people are shit at it and they treat conflict like war battle. They take it personally. And it's yeah. like, we have to develop those skills in leaders so that when we have disagreements in a boardroom or wherever, we can say, cool, let's, let's walk through this together. There's an outcome here that serves everybody. Let's find it. Right. And to remain cool calm and the fact that you disagree with me is not i don't take that personally it's like you don't like me or you don't like my ideas right like so dude hell yes a hundred percent and it's like that is something we have to invest in make sure people have the skills to do because it's critical and i see that a lot right where you just have disagreements that turn into battles and you're just like guys there's a way to navigate this that's productive calm right that makes people feel listened to uh etc so like hell yes um and and, and you know something that I want to get your, your opinion on as well? Um, you know, one thing that I have been coining a lot recently that for me 
works at a very simple level. I completely understand and agree with all of the tactical hard skills around conflict, around being able to navigate feedback that leaders have to have a hundred percent, whether they're classes, whether it's you bring in someone from the outside to conduct executive coaching around this, those skills must be developed. If you're going to be a successful CEO, COO, frankly, shit, even a successful, you know, floor manager, like you need to be able to conduct those um, with, with skill and with class, but you know what it really starts for me? Um, I always joke around with my operations manager or my operations director, rather. Um, his name is Naya, uh, a great guy, beautiful man. Um, we're strongly considering partnering up on some projects here in the future. And one thing that I try to do, and I've successfully done it for about 70 to 75% of all of my professional relationships, I genuinely believe in what I'm going to say here. I have to be your friend at a very real level emotionally. I call it emotional glue. I build, I try my hardest to build authentic, real friendships and relationships with every single human being that I've ever, that I ever come in contact with in a professional realm because it actually creates speed and continuity. So let me, let me, let me explain, I guess for the listener, because you already probably know where I'm going with this. Hell yes, I do. Me and Naya literally have created such this emotional glue through texting back and forth poems that we wrote, talking about talking about our, our families, talking about the, our struggles with anxiety, talking about um, our, our fiancés, talking about, you know, just life, you know, uh, talking, you know, diving into what scares him, what scares me, diving into, you know, career mapping and, and really getting tangible around where he wants to be, where I want to be, supporting each other on those variables. We spent the first six weeks of our relationship genuinely getting to know each other at a very authentic level. And so anytime we have a disagreement or AKA a disconnect, we look at each other and we make jokes or we are like rushing and like racing to apologize to each other. If we start to get a little bit heated or a little bit personal with it, and it immediately takes us back to a very tangible process of, Hey, let's extract the silver lining. Let's figure out and let's have empathy for that other person because we genuinely care about, uh, you know, each other. Um, I, I, in my experience, what I've noticed is when you don't have that emotional glue, when you don't have that relationship, what tends to happen is, like you said, you're taking it personally. You're taking it as a tack on your on your IQ or your perspectives mm-hmm. or your past, um, and then you're not as open to acting on empathy at a natural level. Yes. Um, yeah. So, and, what are your thoughts on that? Man? Yeah. Hell yeah. And I think that that's what you have to have as executive teams, as leaders, and I think in all of companies and everywhere, manager to leader to employee to colleague to coworker to executive team. It's like we have to have personal connections we have to have trust we have to build rapport we have to care about people as human beings first so that when we have static or disagreement or anything right it's like i know that you are coming from a place of care i know that you care about me i know that you love me as a human being even though we disagree about this topic um right which allows me to navigate this with you and like you okay in the podcast that you had recently you talked about interpreting data right and that about when it's a bias that. Oh we shit! Have. You're listening, man. Hell yeah, dude! I love your shit, man. AJ, you, you, you are singing my song every time you speak about business and teams. I'm like, hell yeah, dude! Snaps in the air. 
do a dance like you, you're, my, you're my jam dude but like oh, that that data you, right when i have when you and i have a relationship a friendship right that's true and authentic I'm like i care about you as a human being we don't always disagree we don't have the same communication style working style personality style whatever but i care about you as a human being and i respect you then right we can navigate anything together and it's yes. like that book speed of trust it's like when we have trust when we have rapport when there's a foundation of that then we can navigate situations where i'm not going to take it personally and and start to question whether how you feel about me as a human being that like you and i can have very passionate disagreements about something and i never it never breaks down the wall of like what does aj think of me personally does he disagree with me you know what i'm saying like and exactly what you're saying man that trust that rapport so that you can have dialogue you can have discussions you can have disagreements and be like dude we love each other we're cool we're gonna get through this and i think that's you know, when we have that to carry our, that banner that we carry the whole time, which is like, no matter how much we disagree, there is a resolution. There's a solution at the end of this that we both agree to that works for both of us. And I know that, and I carry that banner through whatever conversations and situations that we have. And I never let go of that. And like, like that is, you know, it's, there's so much overlap with that between how we treat employees, how we treat each other. It's like, that's true. It's like when we show up for each other, and we have the personal, authentic, real connection with other people, then we can navigate stuff that's difficult and challenging. And like, and, and when we create those, then with like what you're talking about in terms of data, what, everything that we see and data from other people is conversations we have, you know, looks that other people give us, we interpret those when a positive bias, right? We interpret those with positive intent, uh, intent on the part of the other person, et cetera. So hell yeah, dude, it's, it's all those things. There's just, it's all this overlap. Um, you know, when we talk about leaders and disagreements and stuff too, it's like this stuff matters and teams that do this well, 100%. Thrive. they thrive, man. And like, the, and, and again, to me, part of that, like you talk about like having those disagreements and people take it personally and it becomes very emotionally, you know, volatile, whatever. To me, that's a symptom of not having a very clearly defined articulated culture and a set of expectations and ground rules and say, this is how we show up here because I promise you that if inside a culture that says when we have conflict, we don't take stuff personally, we, we, we ask and listen, right? We unpack other people's thoughts and feelings and understand them first before, right? Like when, when we have those as part of our culture and we're literally evaluated on those by our employees, by our colleagues, by our leaders, um, right? Those things, then they help dictate how we show up in those situations. I promise you, if your whole, if your whole focus of your company's culture was around like conflict and smooth conflict and conflict resolution, those situations, when they come up, because we reinforce them from the time that we onboard people and forever and in, in feedback evaluations and coaching conversations, right. In different, different traditions just... and things that we put in place, then when those situations happen, people already know how to act and behave. And so I think that, misbehavior and, and poor performance and poor things uh in organizations is almost always a symptom of the fact that like this isn't really part of our fabric and like we haven't focused and, and highlighted this enough in terms of how we all show up together so you, you know well, well you know you know if i can you know one thing that i've actually thought about recently as well um and i stole this i can't remember who i stole this from um i know i know for a fact i'm going to implement it into uh the e1b2 brand that I'm actually considering changing the name um, because there's a whole new concept and spin that I'm trying to put on it that I'll probably get your take on maybe towards the back half of this episode or maybe mm -hmm. privately. Um, 
I don't want to release the name yet because I'm thinking about changing. But anyway, one thing that I'm definitely going to involve when I actually start building out this brand and start to build another company here because entrepreneurship is definitely like punching me in the back of the head saying it's time to jump back in. Um, and something that I, again, I stole this from another person. I can't remember who. I've actually I've actually strongly considered, and this is the first time I'm going to say this, and I'm probably going to extract this little clip and send it over to my founder. This is actually the first time. Um, yeah, I'm ready to say it. Actually, I'm just like even thinking about it as I'm going to say it. I think there should be. I think you should provide bonuses and pay increases, and actually have clear measurements around individuals' ability to have emotional intelligence and 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 build emotional glue at speed within the organization. So uh, how yes. Do, so, so yeah. how that was that? Hell yeah, dude! Of course. Oh, okay, I was gonna, yeah, because how and, and as I'm talking about, it, I'm trying to think about how it would tangibly look because it actually increases it actually increases the speed in which ideas are brought to life, innovation, which then can obviously be connected to new programs and new services or efficiencies, which can then be connected to you know galvanizing teams around a product or a service and having them be more efficient which inevitably gets more connected to more money coming into the business yep. at a more efficient clip, which you then can quantify actually paying or increasing someone's salary or giving them a bonus based off of that very emotional skill and soft talent. Um, yeah. I thought about genuinely forming some sort of pitch to then pitch to my founder around, you know what? I guarantee if we start handing out bonuses for people building emotional glue and being friends i guarantee you'll see you'll see people start changing their their behaviors around and their perspectives around why they should or should not you know just keep it business and professional because frankly i don't even know what the hell that means what do you what are you talking about we're just people here what does it mean like are you are you different when you step outside these walls and loosen up your tie are you like Superman? Like I've never understood that. Like, right. do you jump inside of a you know a phone booth and put on your <laughs> put on your suit and then like I've never understood that. Um, so if you build out these relationships around you know, hey, I'll give you an extra bonus or I'll increase your salary if we create these metrics that that we can then track and connect towards more co money coming into the brand yep. because you have executed at a high level on a soft skill i actually think it's worth it and i I, th I think i think it is too and i think like another element of that is for organizations that truly want to be successful it's like that has to exist at the top it has to be the ceo the top the highest level of leaders and all the way like the higher the better i think what you're talking about right now should be just about the only reason somebody is promoted into a leadership or supervisor position because they ex they show high emotional yes. intelligence, the ability to influence and interact and communicate with different personality styles and different people. What else is your role as a fucking leader? It like there is no higher purpose of being a leader in an organization other than to bring out the best of the people that you're leading. And like this should be the only reason you get promoted. I don't care how long you've worked here. I don't care what your performance numbers are. Does like be, right? You want to talk about like measuring sometimes, right? With like I think old school mindsets and people that don't get it around culture or engagement and stuff is going like, ah, oh, there's no way to measure it. It's like, yeah, there is. You give me an organization that has 
50 middle management, like leader kind of people, right? Uh, 500 employees, whatever. I promise you the teams that rate their manager high are high performing teams. And like that you repeat times a million. Like if teams are evaluating their leader in terms of how are they showing up? How do they influence me? How do I feel about them supporting me as a leader? Low scores, low performance team do not like do not elevate that person. This 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 is the metric, right? Is like having highly emotional intelligent leaders create better teams because like they bring the best out of people. They navigate these things and, and people are human beings. You know, like it's just Oh, at a very thing you're talking about man it's like yes 100 percent. this is how you get into a leadership position i don't care how long you've been here i don't care if you're the best coder salesperson i don't give a shit do you lead people well and like that's it and like high emotional intelligence people the stuff you're talking about the metrics you're talking about building relationships and trust and foundation between people it's like this is how and to be proactive and transparent for every employee that you ever hire to be like the way to get into a leadership position and move up in this organization is this. These are the things that we look for. We index on this. If you don't have these things, you're going to be successful here in your role, but you will not become a leader of other people because that is what it takes. And that's what fucking matters, man. Let's let me pause you right there on that. Cause that's yeah. where I was going to go. So before I joined this brand, I was the director of employee experience and partnerships for a startup for three years. Uh-huh. We had, an amazing guy. His name was Cornelius. We promoted him to be directors of back-end operations and systems. So what we did is I conducted a one-on-one. I realized, and this is, this is a whole other thing that, frankly, Jesus Christ, you're going to make me have an aneurysm here. <laughs> frankly, leaders don't even, <laughs> even consider. I had a one-on-one with him, uh, grabbed a drink, had a nice long steak dinner, realized that a couple things was happening. Number one, uh, his mother had cancer. Number two, he was getting married uh, uh, in the next 18 months. Number three, um, just at a personal development level, his perspectives of who he was as a human, um, it was, was really connected to, you know, you know, leadership status, his position within a company, you know, his desire to grow. And so he told me like, Hey, here's what I've been doing behind the scenes. Here are some certifications I've been working on. Here are some things I've been doing around systems and operations. My dad is, is, a, is a high-level executive at North Ben Grumman, which is one of the biggest. Are you familiar with North, North Ben Grumman? I'm not. Uh, it's a really big like uh, tech company here in Maryland okay. that pretty much builds like uh, military whatever, right, for, for, the, for the government. Um, and so he's like, here's what I've been doing over the last, you know, 15 uh, months or so. Da, 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 like the whole thing, right? Number one, your, your, your traditional leader would have n- no idea about any of these variables because they don't yeah. even spend more than 47 seconds of saying hello and grabbing a cup of coffee in the morning, yep. right? Yep. So we conducted that one-on-one. I then realized what he wanted, but there was one little problem. He joked around with me, but he wasn't joking. He said, dude, I hate people. <laughs> he's like, I hate talking to human beings. He's like, He's like, even talking to you right now, is even a struggle right now. He's like, I love you at a personal level, but like, I don't know, man. Like, I just generally like I like to be alone with my like my fiance. Like, I like I like to be by myself. Like, even my fiance needs to leave me alone for certain hours of the day. Just the way I am, I'm in therapy for it, whatever the case is. Yeah. But I gotta make more money. I want to grow. I want to be better. I said that's super interesting. Went down, went to the founder. I said you know my perspectives on how we promote people. He's like, yes. I said, he doesn't fall directly into that category of being a people leader. I said, okay. 
He, I said, but he deserves more money. He's been putting in a lot of work. We need help on back end operations and technology, you know, tech, tech, technology and systems. We need support on that. He won't, he, he, let's lock him in a cave. He won't be near anyone, but he will be doing so much for the brand yep. from a structure and a foundation yep. standpoint. So we increased him 15,000. We crafted and molded his role around back end systems and he loved me for it. Yep. And it was the first time I realized, oh, there's two different types of ways that you can promote someone. It doesn't always have to be, oh, you promote them. Now they're running a team. Yes. There, there is information like information and IP and data that people can be doing in a silo that can still add value to a company and 100%. you can still quantify paying them more money to do yep. it. Hell yeah. And what are like, your thoughts on that? Oh my God, dude. Yes. Only put people in leadership positions that are great leaders of people. Fucking hands down. No question. Like that's it. And like, if you're a high performer, right? Exactly what you said, man. It's like, because most companies take that guy and be like, oh, he wants to move up. He wants to advance. He wants to get paid more. Well, we'll put him in charge of the team. It's like, what? The work he's doing is valuable. Why not craft what we have around people that are great leaders of people, put them in charge of teams and supervise. Like we can be flexible. It's like, why does that person have to be in charge of a team in the supervisor position? If that's not what they love, because what happens is you put that person in charge of a team. Now his work and his productivity suffers because he's dealing with people, which he doesn't like, right? It's like the strength finders thing. It's like put people in positions where they're doing the things that they love and they're good at so they can thrive. And if that means paying somebody more money because they're successful, but not putting them in charge of a team, hell yes. And like that flexibility, that the, just the reality of building teams and systems and processes around like what strengths do we have of the people that are here? And we put people in those roles because you take that guy, who's amazing in back-end kind of stuff. You put him in charge of a team. Now his work suffers, the team suffers, and, and like that that like that's what happens. That's what companies do because they think that's the that's how you do it. And exactly what you did, that's how we should be approaching it. Be like, man, this person's not a great leader, but their work is amazing. So let's just have them do amazing work and not be in charge of a team. Meanwhile, you've got somebody else who's you know, who motivates people, who's a natural leader. It's like that person can be, right, in charge of a team. Like I just Yes, 100%, dude. My, my thoughts around that is like, yes, that's how we should always be looking at it. And your approach to let's ask people what they want instead of just like, well, time to promote you. You're in charge of this team now. And I think what the type of leader that shows that you are and how you approach things is like this human being in front of me, what do they want? What motivates them? Who are they as a human being? What, you know, like, and building stuff around that because people will thrive. And like, as a result of that move in the organization, that employee is more productive. They're more engaged. They have more respect for like leadership and like feeling cared about. Like they will stay in their job longer. Just right. It's like, these are the things. And the result of that is business success and the whole organization benefits from that. Um, but it takes what like you said, taking more than five minutes to understand somebody and know them and what motivates them and how, like what drives them and like give them that. Right. Like, uh, yeah. Sing so so let's pivot here for a moment. Because cool. I think, first of all, this has been one of the greatest episodes I've ever had, I think. Ah, awesome. Um, I'm loving this, man. I love this stuff. I could, I, This could be a 10-hour episode, and I'd be like, yeah, let's go. I'm in it. Well, you know what I'm really thinking about doing, actually? <laughs> I'm thinking about, and, and tell me if you're open to this. I'm thinking about, because um, you know I had that, that 65-35 model split. So, you know, 65% of the content is a lot of solo episodes. And then, yeah. and then I have these 
I have guests on, obviously. I'm thinking about getting all of my guests on and having like a Joe Rogan three and a half hour episode where we just, you know, because it, it'll be a lot easier that way if you have like a lot of different people on. Um, I don't know, just something I've been I've been pondering. But um, let's let's pivot for a moment. Yeah. Um, let me be selfish, I guess, and let's let's pull up a couple of the questions that you that you did have because I'm trying to. I'm trying to switch up the uh, the the podcast episodes here. Where um, I think, well, I think, well, first of all, let me be let me be honest. I think all, anyone that downloads this podcast, they they definitely know a lot about my perspectives. But what I've realized uh, is when people ask me questions, um, it brings out so much more, you know, perspectives and, and and directions and ways that I can go. So, did you have a few that you think would be? that you just personally wanted to know or that you wanted to hear or that you think would be interesting for me to dive into? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I have a couple and I think that like, you know, one of the things that I, that I notice about you and there's like, there's a gene that you have that I think that I also have um, not being special, just different, but I think like the entrepreneur gene in terms of uh, like, I will create a thing. You said in the beginning, like I'm a scrappy gorilla. Like that's my jam. I was like, I never went to college. Uh, I was like, I'm going to build a thing. And like, I've always just had this, just that gene. And I'm curious to you about like your background, your life, your upbringing, your parents, whatever, like, where do you think that comes from? Because, you know, I think it's rare. Um, but I'm always curious for other people, like, where do you think you have that, that grit, that sense of like, I, I can, I think of a thing, I can fucking build that thing. Right. It's a mix of confidence and drive and ambition. Um, but also, I, you know, I don't just, just the sense of like, it can be done and I can do it. And I, I would love to hear, I don't know, like where you think that comes from? Like yeah. when you were a kid, like, did you, I, I don't know, just like, tell me about that for you. So that's interesting. So I actually, so I have a lifelong friend that uh, my mom is uh, still to this day. She's a family manager, which is, um, is a pretty much a glorified babysitter, but she's amazing at it. So she do, not only does babysitting, but she like, handles taxes and like does like business stuff so like she's like you know she's, she's really like a family manager and uh there was a family that she took care of when i was born and um so i grew up with this guy named jeremy my whole life and so jeremy actually recently ca called me and said you know you've been like this your whole life you would always try to convince us to go outside and do different things and put teams together and I remember one time you tried to get us to like build this go-kart. We were like seven. You had no idea what you were doing, but we all believed that you knew what you were doing. Um, and then my mom would also tell me, she's like, yeah, growing up, you would, uh, you would, I would tell you to go do something like, let's, let's call it cleaning your room. And then you would sit me down and be like, Hey mom, well, I got a couple more ideas about what I really would actually be rather do, be doing with my time here what do you think about let's, let's work out a deal where we can yeah. maybe let me do that. Let's negotiate. And she said, you were like 12 and like <laughs> the way that you would break it down, you know, it was, she, you know, cause she's like, your father would always get so uh, outraged that you were talking back, but she's like, I actually didn't view it as that. You weren't yelling. You didn't have an attitude. You, it, it seemed like a, like a little business powwow, yeah. you know? Um, and so, I guess I just wanted to share those stories with you in the audience because I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't really know why I ever did that or why I ever, you know, kind of worked that way. Um, I do suffer from severe ADD. Mm -hmm. So my brain's always pinging off of like 84 different walls. Yeah. Dude. Um, so, you know, my mind's always going in a lot of different directions. 
Um, I do know that my mother, um, the personality that I have, the the ability to get like 99% of human beings that meet me uh, to like me and to, to respect me um, and to galvanize around my ideas. I definitely get that from my mother. That's, that's literally who she is. Yeah. Um, as it pertains to the entrepreneurship lens though, this is probably going to surprise you. Um, or maybe it won't actually, actually, maybe it makes total sense. Even as I'm thinking about it, um, I was incredibly lazy for the first 18 years of my life Mm -hmm. um, around anything that had to do with work. Um, I just genuinely did not like doing something that didn't make sense to me. Um, um, It got to the point my mother excused me from having to clean my room, clean the house. Um, Like I would just, again, and I was never a disrespectful kid. I would just have these authentic debates and she was like, you know what? fine you want to have a dirty room have a dirty room like (laughs) like if you don't want to do this like i don't know why you are still fighting me about this and it was like that throughout my entire life you know i i I hated school um so i just checked completely out Mm. um so i just had this ability to say to myself i if i if you genuinely don't like something you're just not going to do it um and so that is a skill or a not a skill potentially that i have uh-huh. Um, that, that puts me in a situation where I only act and only work hard on things that I genuinely love. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that is a skill that a lot of other entrepreneurs have, which is they frankly don't get up in the morning for things that they're not passionate about. Um, so in a weird way, I hope that answers your question. I don't really know, but those are a few examples and things that I have thought about that kind of alludes to why I'm the way I am right now. Yeah, I love it. I'm always just curious, man. I love to hear people's kind of like backgrounds and what, what did you do as a kid? And like, what, you know, I just, I think you can always pinpoint some kind of interesting, weird, like, thing, right? Like being 12 years old and be like negotiating with parents be like, oh yeah, but let's talk about that. And like, you know, yeah. like always something that's like, where's that come from? Uh, I love yeah. it. No, I love it. Um, another, another question I had for you yeah. too. So <clears throat> I, and I just, a little bit of background, I don't want to, talk about myself i have a legit question but so yeah we didn't kind of talk about my background and sort of how i got to where i am but like a big part of my background is improv and i started doing this work by you know i'd been teaching improv for years uh doing improv performing improv for years and years and started doing this work and like developing curriculum for teams and stuff and that is like heavily influenced my business perspective right around these things and stuff that I like this part of what I do with teams and teaching people is like how to take these principles of around saying yes and listening and being really present, making other people look good, et cetera. Um, and that like greatly influenced my work and how I view, you know, work, even though that's not necessarily a work thing, but like that, that's sort of like where this generated. So, and the sort of parallel here, you come from a background of sports, right? And like, yes, I'm curious to hear like similarly your influence or sort of like that, what that connection is, right? Because you have this, entrepreneurial gene right this mindset this way of being that like it's just that's your fabric right like mm. you 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 are like me you could lose everything in your world and you just create something different you just never stop creating and um and i'm and you also have this this sports background right which is different yes. I'm, I'm curious like what's the blend there uh and like how does that influence i don't know because right those are formative years in high school and, and stuff too so it's like i'm just curious how that yeah the impact of that has on how you view business, if you see that as having a lot of impact on how you approach things. And uh, I'm, and I'm just, I'm curious to hear that. 
it has an impact on my on my ability to form teams and mm. to be a leader. Um, that that is the probably the biggest thing for me. Um, you know, I have I have well, I'll tell you a couple influences. The first thing is I have an intensity about me that people tend to not see that came from my, you know, because I was a I was a fullback that they don't even exist anymore, really. There's a couple fullbacks left, but I was a 240-pound fullback in my first two years of college uh-huh. um, and a linebacker in high school. Those are both very violent positions. Yeah, Your job is to hit someone as hard as you can. Right. Um, and so that was always in my mind from a very aggressive standpoint. But also being on the team, you know, leadership and, and, and galvanizing a team and galvanizing people around perspectives um, and, and a play, uh, you know, just over time became more and more natural. But going back to the aggressive aspect of me and why I think it helps with from a leadership perspective, and I'll be very real, it helps and it hurts me because I'm still young, right? A lot of people don't, a lot of people forget that I'm only 29. So, so it's still, it, it, it hasn't, this is actually hard to even talk about. You know, I'm in a situation where, frankly, and I'll be very straight up with you, brother. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of leaders now that I'm like trying to get a, now that I've had jobs the last couple of years, yep. a lot of jobs disrespect and don't look at me because they see, they see, a, they don't, they, they disrespect the two-time entrepreneur. They disrespect the partnership with, you know, the, you know, the partnership with Under Armour, $5 million facility, seven figure business mm-hmm. employees speaking events consulting like they they ignore all that and they just immediately go to oh you don't have a, a college degree <laughs> right oh you don't have a background <laughs> in a tracking with corporate organizations you must be a dud right and i'm like first but- of all i so that's built that's reenacted and re-energized and re-motivated that aggressive aspect of me so i will uh-huh. be very honest when I have had these these last couple of jobs, uh, I tend to really wear my heart on my sleeve around all yeah. things employee experience. Yeah. Um, because it's one connected to that. You didn't want me to be here anyway. I shouldn't even be here from your perspective. And then number two, you know, how dare you, how dare you not understand the employee experience realms around team building and around culture and around leadership, around the skills that I got as I was an athlete. And then, like I said, com- you know, combining that with my with my aggressiveness, it, it 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 helps and it hurts me at times. It helps me because there are those leaders that are like Jesus, like this dude is fired up about this. This is what I need. I made the right decision. Mm-hmm. It hurts me at times as an entrepreneur and as a leader because uh, it throws people off because I'm such a nice and, and, and cuddly dude. Um, so I don't even know if that really fully answers your question, but yeah. again. It was one of those things where I, I just wanted to kind of share a lot of data points around um, just who I am and as an entrepreneur and as a leader. Um, I, I think also um, for me, you know, entrepreneurship came from a from a level of of of, of, of desperation and need. Hmm. Um, there was something at a very personal level that I have not actually been open enough to to share on air yet that I can share with you privately that happened to me when I got kicked out of college. Um, besides my dad passing away. So I actually was put in a very serious circumstance mm-hmm. to be forced to become an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. So we can talk about that offline here. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
I think at 19 years old, 19, 20 years old, being forced to jump into entrepreneurship and being forced to learn it, but then also pairing that with like natural leadership and like galvanizing team ability. Yeah. Uh, it was a win-win for the most part. But then again, to be very frank, uh, I'm still in a situation where he, situation here where, dude, it's really, it's really my background. I mean, maybe you can give me some insights on this. A lot of leaders disrespect my background. Like they don't give a shit. Hmm. And it's super like it's I thought I was gonna I thought the second I put my resume together, I thought I was gonna be having recruiters yeah, knocking yeah. down my door. Yeah. So give me your thoughts, but but that's my answer. And I guess maybe give me your thoughts on that situation. Well, uh, you know, it it <clears throat> what I have to say echoes kind of what you were talking about with like building an E one B two brand, right? Which is that like You've got to work for people that recognize and value what you've got. And like, right, when you, to me, right, when I look at, if I look at two candidates for a role and one of them spent four years in college and one of them has four years of experience, I don't give a shit about the person who's been through college. I'm not saying I don't give a shit about the person, but like the experience on the ground is what matters to me. And I think that like great leaders recognize value and like recognize quality. And like, that is something they're able to do. They're a barometer of like, I see this quality in this person and like right and to be like what is going to make somebody successful this role and i i personally like and i have a lot of clients that are higher education that kind of stuff i don't give a shit about a college degree i don't care where you got your experience as long as you have it and can you perform the role and are you great at it um right it's like i learned on youtube uh somebody telling me that is like cool and i respect that because i'm like i'm like ah this person's gritty they're self like right? They're self-motivating. They'll like go yeah. and do a thing. And I'm like, I want that. Uh, you know, so it's just a matter of like what you value, but yeah, a hundred percent. I think there is this very old school mindset of like, what school did you go to? I'm like, I don't care. How do you perform your role? I don't get like, I, it, who cares where you got these skills from? Are you the best? Are you the great? And I, uh, and I think that's part of my entrepreneur background to be like, um, like performance trumps everything. It's like, can you deliver and like, and how can you show that you do that and like prove it? So in terms of like your backgrounds or like being disrespected or like not acknowledged or having no value there, I'm like you, right. That is the power of diversity. I don't want a whole team of people that went to like, you know, got their MBAs and like four year degrees and that have had the same path and the same background, the same experiences from the same industry in a, in a group and right in, on a leadership team, as opposed to somebody who, who ran a six figure business, who's an entrepreneur, somebody else who has had a corporate career, somebody who's worked with, like you need that diversity of thought, of experience, of yep. everything. It's like that, that's the power of diversity. You're going to know things and have insights that other people don't because you built something from the ground up um, as opposed to moving up somebody else's ladder. And I, you know, I just, again, some leaders get that. Some people value that some don't. And I, I think it's, you know, it's so important to be like, where do I feel at home? Because that's where you'll thrive, right? You work for an organization, they get it. They, they see your value. They, right, they make you feel valued. They, you know, they tap into what you bring to an organization because someone being like, ah, oh, you're young or you didn't go to college or you did these things. You don't have anything to offer us, right? If that is their bias or that's their mindset, you won't because they, they won't yeah. come to you. They won't come to draw everything you have as opposed to seeing like there's a huge potential here. This person's going to have angles and experiences that we don't have. And like, what can we learn from them? And that's, you know, that's just a growth mindset. I can learn, you know, I don't know. There's a lot, but yeah, my perspective on that is like, you got to find somebody that values who you are, what you do, what you bring to the table and great leaders do. Cause they're just, they're there mining 
your value, right? They dig deep, like what you do with other people to be like, who are you? Where did you come from? What do you know? What can you teach me? Uh, and the second you think you have nothing to learn from somebody, you will never learn anything from them because you're not looking for it, right? You're not digging in. You're not asking them. You're not bringing them to the table. So, yeah. I, that, that's 100% right. Um, let me do this. I have two more questions for you to, to, to shift back in towards you and, and, and value. Um, I do appreciate those two questions. I did, I did kind of share more again. I, I did what I, I, I knew was going to happen as I shared more than I typically do, which is uh, helpful. Um, um, so let me ask you, I guess these, these two questions that I think will, uh, will round out this episode pretty well. The last question um, is uh, kind of a selfish one again, but I but it but it has something to do with you at a personal level that I think hopefully we can continue to talk about you know future collaborations with myself and you. And then the first question uh, is a little bit more tangible and granular. So something I've been working on recently is um, so the E one B two brand uh, a lot of so I'll tell you frankly actually again being open and transparent. Um, my, my founder, my CEO right now, um, I'll, you know, I'll say it straight. This isn't, this isn't uh, a negative thing. Uh, I don't mind this. He, uh, he's questioning, um, and, and he knows my long-term goals. So, and maybe that's probably part of to do with it as well. Right. And I get that. He knows in three years, four years, I may walk away and go back into entrepreneurship probably much sooner, potentially even, but, but he's, um, he said that he is it brings him pause to consider putting me in the chief of staff role which um, in the way that our organization is set up I'm a part of the executive team but I'm like fourth fourth or fifth the chief of staff where our organization is set up would be like number two Um, he's a bit uncomfortable and has had some pause around putting me in that position because of the E1B2 brand he says and his perspective is the chief of staff needs to not just think about employees, but they need to really think more about the business and think more about what's going to save and protect the business. Mm-hmm. And Galen, you already know where my mind goes when he says that. Yeah. But what I did do, right, is I did what I always ask any other leader to do is I ate my own dog food and I tried to pull out silver linings. I tried to pull out value in that constructive criticism and that feedback right because as it stands right now i am not i I am not an entrepreneur yet so you know you know achieving the heights of the heights that i can do in the position i'm in right now is a goal of mine yeah so i said okay that's interesting so i went back and i've been thinking and so i'm going to read something to you that i wrote down here um where is it at here there it is i'm going to read the question off to you and then give you some context do you have any tips for employees around how they can view leaders as not just in and brands as not just robots and and organizations and systems and machines so let me give you some context here Mm -hmm. so when i heard him say that feedback what i realized is he's internalizing and viewing what i'm doing at times like i am coddling employees and always being on the side of employees Mm -hmm. and not thinking about the brand that's the way he's internalizing it now whether that's tangibly true or not that doesn't matter because his perception is his reality and that's one thing i have learned through psychology right yeah so i said okay that's great i said 
well, what can I do as an employee technically? And what can other employees do to view brands and view leaders as people as well? What can we do to support leaders to help get them, the leaders, the brands out of the threat state, get the brands and the leaders out of that, that, that tough mindset where they can't, where they, they view an employee in certain negative, negative lights, let's call it, or not, or not productive lights, right? Like, like what can employees do to help bring the E1B2 model to life? What can employees do to help leaders help the employee more, right? Like, what can you do to help me help you at a much higher clip and a much higher volume? Yeah, That's what I've been thinking about recently Mm -hmm. because what I realized is, AJ, you were a founder once before. You know the type of stress and the type of weight that is on his back at this time, all the things that are going through his head. What can you do as an employee to better support the brand, the company, the leader? What can you do as an employee to better to just be a better employee. So do you have any tips for employees, how they can be better, how they can better, they can have some accountability in this whole thing that we've been talking about? Hell yeah. I love it, man. I love that question. I love the idea and like sort of like thought process behind that. Um, And here's what I think, whether it's a great answer or not, this is what I think is, um, first of all, the way you provide value to anybody or anything or right shift the mindset is like, don't assume, don't guess, go ask. Every organization is different. Every leader is different. What they want is different. Who they are is different. And so to me, when I think about that situation, right, even with a leader being like, ah, it gives me pause to think about putting you in a you know, chief of staff position or whatever, I immediately come from a place of like, tell me more about that. Um, and I think to answer your question more directly for an employee to view a leader as not a robot and a human being is to go and like learn them as a human being, right? Exactly. It's like, we don't have enough authentic conversations in organizations because for the most part, companies operate with a dictator, like top-down command and control. I'm your, I'm, I have authority over you. You do what I say because I'm your leader and I'm your boss and I right, hold this sort of like, uh, right, the status or power over you. Um, and we don't have enough authentic conversations in, in organizations where an employee goes to a leader to say, hey, how can I be exceptional here? What are your biggest concerns about the business, about me? Like, what do you need to see from me to crush it? And like, you know, what, what are your fears? What are your concerns? What, what are things that like drive you, right? Like, and that's how to get that question. And that's different for everybody. So is there one answer? No, but it's like, go find out from that. Lead. You want to make your, like, it's the same way, like silos between departments. If you want to make the shipping department less of robots, go, it's like Brene Brown, man. It's hard to hate, it's hard to hate somebody up close. So like get in close, right? Lean in. And it's like, go to that person and start having real conversations and building that emotional glue that you're talking about, right? How do I see my leader as a human being? It's like, go and be like, hey, who are you as a human being? You know, like, what do you want from me? How can I show up even better? And right, open that dialogue to say, this, this is a mutually beneficial relationship and situation here, right? Our working relationship, me as an employee, you as a leader. And what I want to know is how can I crush it for you? And also I want, right, as part of that conversation, it's like we should also be talking about how you can crush it for me, uh, right? And like how you can show up as a leader exceptionally for me and just having more authentic conversations and, and sparking those with your leadership, right? To be like, hey, what's going through your mind? What are your concerns? Like, what do you want to see from me? And opening up that dialogue. I think that being proactive in that space, and I, I don't know that that's a conversation that happens very often. 
uh, right? Yeah. It's like a very authentic, very transparent, very real. We're two human beings together and we have this beneficial working relationship. How do we make this relationship as ideal and beneficial and effective as possible for both of us? And I think that like, go and do those things, right? Like go have those conversations, open that dialogue and be like, we need to see each other as human beings and really understand each other. Um, and I, I think that's how, I think, you know, when we, we stop seeing people as other us versus them, me versus leadership, whatever. And like, go in and be like, who are you really? What do you really want? You know, what do you think? And I think diving into that, just like humanize people, um, and ask those questions because as soon as I know where you're coming from, the same way you're talking about doing that with employees, like what do they want? What is their trajectory? What are they, what is their two or three or four or five year goal? And I think same thing. It's like, you want to understand them. So you, you have more empathy for them. You understand how they work and why they make decisions and why they do what they do. And that's also an opportunity to bring out like, Hey, sometimes these situations between us cause static, or I make these assumptions about, you know, you shoot down my ideas or, or like, times I feel like these things so like let's talk about that and I think more authentic real conversations between colleagues between leaders and employees need to happen everywhere across the board because that's how we get to create that emotional glue in that space where we can't have static we can't disagree and I'm never going to go and complain to everyone else in my life about how shitty my leader is I'm gonna go sit down with my leader and be like hey I'm having this experience this is what this feels like for me what's your perspective what do you see um you know which it takes a lot of emotional maturity. It takes a lot of, you know, EQ to, to do those things. But that's one way you can learn that is by practicing it and, and starting to have those conversations and get better at them. So long answer, but. A hundred percent. No, that was perfect, man. It's something that um, it's something that uh, I'm slowly but surely getting better at. And it's something I've been thinking a lot about. Um, so look, man, this, 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 this episode has been amazing. I do have one final thing to uh bring up and talk to you about mm -hmm. um i guess just get your two cents in your you know your 45 second you know one minute perspective on this so um i've been having a lot of people hitting me up personally here um kind of just saying hey we hear about your success as an entrepreneur between you know let's call it 19 and i'm 29 uh between 19 and you know 26 you know, we, you know, 26, 25 ish, you know, we hear about the success that you've had, the things that you've done, um, you know, you know, we really, uh, you know, we really would like to see you take another crack at it. I had a, uh, a, a business coach that I just built a relationship with relationship with try to just pretty much say like, like pretty much like hit me my forehead. Uh, with her head <laughs> figuratively uh, just try to head bump me into like, look, like, are you crazy? Are you an idiot? Like, wake up here. Like you are an entrepreneur. You are great. Um, I don't know why you are free to jump back in, but you need to jump back in. Um, so this has been happening for about six months here. Um, and so the last three weeks or so um, I went back to my, my old school tactics of the way that I put business plans together the way that I build out um, strategy plans for myself personally at an entrepreneur level. Um, and I've been doing a lot of hard work on building out what I see as a brand of E1B2 and not just a podcast yep. and yep. the perspective that I bring to organizations. Um, so I'm going to tell you about something that I think is interesting and I want to get your two cents on it. And then hopefully as we grow and we build a relationship together, hopefully this is something in some sort of capacity uh, you can be involved in. So uh, long story short of it again, because this can take forever to explain, but um, 
there is one other angel investing fund that does this, but it has a completely different spin on it. So I'm strongly considering starting, you know, E1B2 brands. Um, that looks like, uh, you know, that looks like, you know, four to six events per year that are 100% Q&A with a panel where we uh, get the questions from 50 to 100 of the audience members months in advance. The questions are very detailed, very thorough, very nuanced and very deep. Um, and then the panel will go through each and each and every question is obviously not all of them as much as we can and give as much detail and full deep conversations around those questions. Mm -hmm. So the audience members can, can genuinely, uh, you know, walk away with some tangible advice. Um, there's a, a streetwear clothing brand that is already in the works that I'm creating for the employees of companies to really get behind this perspective that I have, which is, look, if you're an employee, you need to take back the, the, the power, right? You know, you need to remember there's Ubers of the world, there's DoorDashes of the world, there's, you know, you know, there's, there's Postmates of the world, there's eBay hustles, there's sports cards. You no longer have to suck the teat of these leaders and, 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 and get on your knees and try to find different ways to, you know, coexist in a, in a culture that is draining and killing your mental health. Yep. You can and you deserve to, to take your talents and be patient by taking your talents to a company that will put you as a human and employee first. And so there's some really cool streetwear brand clothing that I'm designing for the younger demo since I'm still in that, 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 that age group. Um, so there's, and then, and then obviously there's the executive one-on-one -on -one consulting piece that I'm definitely going to jump back into. So those are the three pieces of the brand that I think are, that are really cool. Um, the last piece is what I want to get your thoughts on. Uh -huh. So I'm strongly considering starting E1B2 Ventures. E1B2 Ventures is going to be a, an angel fund that we I raise one to two million dollars. I take out ten percent with me, myself, and another partner, uh, which is going to be the, you know what we you know make a hundred grand to to run this fund. Have uh, another you know one point eight, one point seven uh, to write you know seventy five thousand, hundred thousand dollar checks into two different types of businesses. The first business will be brands that know for a fact they don't have great cultures and great organizational structures and uh, are willing and able and have a strong desire to change mm -hmm. and they need an influx of money because I had a, I had a, I had a, I have a mentor that said to me, AJ, you know what you're going to end up doing? You're going to end up speaking. You're going to end up consulting and you're going to be like everyone else. And I said, what do you mean? He said, you're not going to make a real dent. And he was like trying to motivate me. I was like, what are you talking right. about? He's like, you can only work with so many clients and only put up so much videos and only put out so many podcasts. The debt you're going to make is going to be so small. And I was like, okay. And he's like, you want to actually make a real debt? He said, how can you get as close as you can to these organizations? He's like, you want to know how? You having equity, a stake, giving money to these brands. Because now you actually have a spot at the, at the table. Because when you're consulting, you're in and out. You're there for a couple months, a couple of days, a couple hours. And then you don't know inevitably what's going to happen to that brand long term. Mm -hmm. So uh, we put this idea together. So we'll write these checks into the brand. We'll bring on the consulting piece of it, um, obviously, to provide the E1B2 methodology and culture and embed it inside of the organization. 
my background around marketing and branding operations, as well as the partner that will be in this, we will then bring those other pieces to the puzzle as well so they can get the value and grow as an organization mm-hmm. from a pure business standpoint. Um, and then we'll do that. Um, and, and, and that is something that really, as I'm even talking about it, I have goosebumps in my arms because uh, there is not an angel fund right now in the universe besides one that is crafted and molded around investing in brands that are going to put employees first. Yep. Uh, the second is going to be uh, finding founders that are willing to start their business from day one with this mindset in place. Yep. Do you have yep. any idea of how much different organizations will look if they start from day one crafting and organizing their organization with this mindset? Yep. It'll be yep. vastly different. What are your what are your hot takes and your thoughts on that? Um, good. Okay, so let's just like talk about that first one. Um, I love it. I love the idea of injecting cash and resources and sort of like having a seat at the table. Um, here, I mean, okay, I've got um, my brain is automatically wired to be like, cool. What's the biggest obstacle here? Um, yes, right? like that's, that's what I'm looking it. for. It's like so, um, to me, what I see when I work with teams and brands and organizations is that like if somebody is in charge and they're entrenched in a leadership position or they're entrenched on the executive team and that team is not willing to uh, either they don't know they're not self-aware and they don't know that they are the fucking problem because you're talking about organizations that have a problem with culture and they know it but i there is no place in the universe where the source of that problem is the employees it's not people they behave in the environment and like what you allow you endorse and so if the behavior is toxic if the culture is bad you you start the executive team and that's where the fucking seed is that's where the problem is and so like a lot of times the only way to fix this shit is to get those people gone and so um and and i'm not saying your idea is impossible i'm just my brain obviously goes to like what's the biggest obstacle there is like like i was like yeah we know our culture is bad and you know it's it's part of sometimes what i do is like delivering the message of like you're the problem like this executive team the like you guys don't have a culture and the and the resistance the path to getting a great culture starts with you and it means you're gonna have to shift how you are and and there's you know a significant amount of people leaders whatever that they've been there forever uh you know they they don't they don't have it uh and that you know that organization being willing to like identify recognize and get those people out of those positions etc um so i mean i i love it having a seat at the table is is also being able to like have those conversations because i think about clients that i work with right or brands that i work with over a long-term period or like an extended kind of engagement and sometimes that's a determiner for me of like look the, the problems here in this organization are in the leadership team and they're entrenched. Like they're not, they're not going to be willing to change. And so this is not going to be successful, right. For what I do. And like, that's that again, that's my currency. So I'm like, if I don't think I just, I, I need to know that I can help you and make this, make this happen. Um, do you think, do you think writing the 50, 75, $100,000 checks, having an equity in the brand, you know, providing the consulting and the, and the support from that perspective. Because what I've realized in my career is when you write a check into something or if there's money involved, people's attention and their perspective shifts really fast. 100%. But the person you're writing a check to is the problem. And now what? I mean, you're just being selective about, I guess, what companies you work with. Like, to me, I, 100%. Necessity. Like, yeah. I want this executive team in the same room with me and I want to have some conversations to be like, who are you? And can you do this? And do you have what yes. it takes? Do you have the mental... Do you, are you really truly willing 
or is this is this executive team the problem um and that that to me you know so of course you're not just gonna like throw money at any old like random toxic company and stuff too but like that's that's where my brain goes i love it man i love it teams that are willing that are able that like can do it uh i'm like you know of course that's that's my thing too it's like guys there's a way to do this there's a path to become exceptional to create an exceptional culture that like is the fabric and DNA of how every person in this organization shows up. And like the result of that for your business and what you accomplish is huge. Um, so do you course- think, do, do, do you think the idea, well, first, do you think the idea is different and innovative? And I think we all know that, but, but more than less, do you think that the idea of, because what I've realized, and I'm going to ask you this offline another day, um, uh, you know, around how you even get inside the room and even, you know, develop a pipeline to even start to get clients and have companies write these checks. Mm-hmm. But because what I've realized is, all right, let me do the opposite. If I'm writing a check into your brand to help provide, you know, finances in all the, in other areas of the brand and other, in other departments, my, my, my gut and my intuition would then say, again, like, not only do I have a seat at the table, but I'm not asking you to pull from your pockets to change. I am then, I'm actually, again, I'm injecting not only my cash, but I'm injecting, um, I, I, I now legally and, and more and more than legally, I now have, I now have a legitimate voice in the room where again, I think, and you know this, I, there, there are definitely, I'm sure in your career, there have been times where, you, you know, you, you conduct a workshop, you do a keynote, you, you have, you have some clients where, you do great things and, 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 and the energy is high and then you step away and 30 days later you check back in and things are not where you left them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so do you think this, this different way of looking at it and this different model um, gives me a better shot of having a bigger impact? Yes, of course. I mean, you're talking about buying, you know, you're talking about investing in a company and buying equity in a company that you're also going to like bring in the right people to be like, this is how we get you healthy, um, right? So you're talking about just like, providing some surgery and and uh right inside the organization to be like this is how we handle marketing this is how we handle culture this is how we handle sales and and right and like turning them around so it's not just like we invest in your company because we believe in it but we also will have a hand in like we're going to help you make sure we do these things and you having the right people on your team that can facilitate and train and provide those uh companies and then they're invested in this partnership i i love it i think it's a great idea man uh because you're obviously going to pick companies that have, that are a company you'd invest in anyways because they're doing something good they've got um, right they're they're worth investing in uh from that space and then you're also you're also saying like we are going to actively make this company exceptional so i love it why why wouldn't you do it i know that's just i know that's a really weird question but the, i've been asking that question a lot to people when i try to get holes in ideas yeah, yeah. i say why if you were to like why wouldn't so let me let me hear your thoughts on why wouldn't you why wouldn't you create E1B2 Ventures? Yep. Why wouldn't so you do that? The if I'm thinking about I'm a business owner and I have so you're only investing in companies that are that are potentially like high return, right? You're not gonna invest in a very toxic, shitty performing company that you don't think has potential. So why wouldn't why wouldn't I start or why, why wouldn't I engage with that brand for my company? Um because that's where my No, no, is. just just yeah, just you being me 
like if you were me, why wouldn't why would you say, Yeah, it's a great idea, but I'm not gonna pull the trigger? Oh, on why why wouldn't you start? I mean, bandwidth, you know, I think it's a great idea, but you know, you know, if you're gonna start something and start a venture or whatever, it's gonna consume 50 hours plus a week of your time for the next year to get it off the ground. So like, do you love that idea enough to fucking bleed for it? Cause that that's what being an entrepreneur is. It's not sexy. And yeah. you know that you've been the founder of an organization before. So like, you know, do you love that idea enough? And I, I think that there's a, you know, same way you go to market with any startup and ideas, like you test it out, you get a couple of brains that are interested, right. Proof of concept kind of stuff and then go forward. But I like it. It's innovative. It's interesting. It's, you know, uh, I'm not as well-versed, in the angel investment sort of like space of like buying equity in the company and let's let it run versus being very hands-on coming in to be like, we're going to clean this stuff up. Um, so I, I'm not sure how different it is from a normal model, but I believe you when you say this is unique and interesting. And I'm like, yeah, I love the idea, man. And I think it's like, that's the thing that a lot of companies don't know how to do. They have a great model. They have a great product. They're making, right, getting market share, but they don't have the skills and capacity inside the organization to really accelerate culture, to really accelerate marketing and sales. And, and you know, so yeah, I like it. Um, Very interesting. But the, the, the barrier I think on the other side is you're going to invest in companies that are relatively healthy and have a good thing. And the reason that somebody wouldn't necessarily uh, is to be like, we've got a good thing. We're, pretty profitable so giving up a stake in that company but then just like anything else you're selling the fact like how much bigger and better will you be if we accelerate all of these processes and pieces to like make this company really thrive so i love it man i think it's cool i appreciate that i appreciate that um well look man it's been an amazing episode Uh here um uh we we covered a lot of different topics today um, is there any, I guess, parting words that you want to leave with everyone? And then I guess just tell everyone where they can find uh, a lot of your amazing content. Um, cool. Parting words. Uh, um, I mean, I, I love it. I think everything we've talked about has been in my wheelhouse. I love this stuff, man. It's like for companies and leaders to wake up to the fact that it's time to get obsessed with employee experience, prioritize culture, treat culture as a strategic priority, the same way we treat every other thing we want to have success within business, like marketing, sales, everything, and be like, this matters if we want to elevate this brand and like, I just a hundred percent. And we've talked about all that, but like, hell yeah, from the rooftops, it's like, it, it, it is way past time for companies to wake the fuck up to that, that like employees matter. You know, the leadership team of any organization can walk out the door and day to day, nothing would really change, but all your employees walk out the door, you're done. And like, get on board with that um anyways cool uh how do people find me so um my yeah i mean you can google me i've got a ton of videos and content we drop a a weekly video uh every tuesday morning um we're we've called it the shift yes tribe that's what it's currently called we're transitioning the name to culture drop uh and we're on you know instagram linkedin twitter we're on all this like social media platforms uh dropping content every week um i've got a that's a I've got a mailing list. People can sign up for that. It's just one quick video a week. It's like less than five minutes. Um, Super fun, relevant kind of stuff. And so, yeah, I've got a lot of content out there and do, you know, I do keynotes. I work with teams. I like do these things that we've been talking about. So yeah, I mean, people can connect and engage. I love this stuff, man. I'm just like, I want to have conversations like this with leaders and people all the time because I love it. So uh, yeah. And like such an honor to be on this podcast, man. I really do truly resonate with your message, your mindset, the 
way you talk about all this stuff, man, it's like a hundred percent I'm on board with. It's like, yes. And to me, it's like, this stuff is so obvious. Why isn't everyone in the same mindset? Um, but it keeps us both employed. So, uh, you know, it's good. But I, well, I appreciate, yeah. I, I want to say, I appreciate you coming on here. Like I do every other guest, but for you, man, like this, 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 this episode has been, this is very different. Um, you know, the energy has always been high on this episode. The, the value, I think that, I, I just think we, we got really, really tangible uh, on this episode. Yeah. And I think we covered a lot. Um, and uh, hopefully, you know, everyone that will listen to this enjoys yeah. it. So I, I guess I have um, one other thing too. I guess if, uh, yeah. so I have a resource that I use that I work with teams around. We talked about those kind of like three pieces of developing culture and having those conversations. Um, I, have, it's, I have this thing called the strategic culture plan. Um, if people are listening to this and you want to reach out and connect with me, I'll send that to you. It's just a PDF. It's a seven page kind of like, here's a, here's how to walk through creating this culture. It's the work that I do like hands-on with teams, but I'd be happy to share that with people if they want it. It's all the step-by-step process. Like I'd be happy to share that. I'm, I'm uh, working on a book that'll be out uh, sometime this year. And like that book is going to be a deeper dive into like really, really, truly creating culture. But um, I would be happy to share any resources that I have with anybody listening that wants to like do that. It's really comprehensive. So just that's put that out there. They can email me or you reach out through my website uh, at shiftyes.com, but I'm you know, happy to do that as well. So I appreciate that. Yes. Yeah, send me, send me that here. Cool. Um, yeah. Text. Yeah. Send me that via email okay. or uh, over, over a message. And I will put that in the show notes and uh, get that going there. Um, but as always, man, I really appreciate it. Uh, I think today was amazing. Yeah. And um, I guess just have, it a, have an amazing day. You too. We did not talk about the COVID-19 situation on purpose. <laughs> um, but I guess I will say, guys, please stay safe. Um, anyone will listen to this over the next, you know, 10 to 12 days. Because I'm assuming this is still going to go on. Stay safe. Stay clean. Um, don't panic too much guys. I know there are a lot of people, a lot of families that are losing loved ones. And I'm sorry about that. Um, but for those that have not, and for those that are trying to remain optimistic, I know there's a better day on the other side of this. Um, I don't know if you have any parting therapeutic words for the, for the listeners there, Gary. Uh, no, just like, amen to that dude. I think it's time to like love other people, check in, connect. Like there is, you know, the world is not over. Uh, and things will come back. And I know it's a lot of heavy stuff right now for a lot of people, but um, it will be okay. Be optimistic uh, and be cool. There's something, just a, another quick plug. I started every Monday and Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. I started something called Quarantine Time with Galen, where I shared just like positive stories and creative, interesting things that teams are doing, remote, working remote, navigating time at home that's like mental health stuff and whatever. So that's uh, another thing on my shift yes page on facebook so yeah just find positive resources be optimistic like we will get through this together um and yeah my heart goes out to everybody that is having a challenge right now that's a lot of people so just be love you know 100 percent, brother well i appreciate you and uh we'll definitely talk soon cool man thank you so much aj